Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Um, you guys are radical. I, I'm talking to all of you. I looked over there, but I'm talking to all of you. Uh, you guys are radical, and I absolutely love it. And uh, just in case you need to hear it, because, you know, if you're in something every day, you don't necessarily fully notice the change that's happened over time, because you see it daily. Uh, but for me, I haven't been here for a couple years. And um, first of all, you didn't even have two services when I was here last time. Um, but the growth that's happened on your church, in your church, the health that's here, uh, the smiles, the people that are excited to come. I was out talking to a few gentlemen in the lobby after first service, and we were just talking about being happy to be here, and the guy's like, that's it right there. I'm happy to be here. I don't want to miss. I'm afraid I'll miss something because I want to be a part of this. And so from, from somebody who lives in California and comes here every once in a while, I can tell you the difference I feel just from a couple years ago in this house is absolutely beautiful. It's amazing. It's from front to back, side to side. It's not just a leadership team. It's the body. It's the family. And it's absolutely wonderful. Um, the outreach that you guys are doing into your city uh, from, I mean, everything. You guys are doing so much good in this area. And I love that. I, I, uh, I don't travel much anymore, but I traveled full-time for a while, and I can tell you that there's few churches that are actually leaving the cave and going out into their city and loving their city, and the, some of the ones that are going out into their city are going out into their city because they think their city's bad, and so they're trying to change it. In this house, you love your city, and you see your city as good, cities as good, and you're going out as a sign of love, and it's just awesome. I mean, I can't tell you enough. So if you hear anything right now, it's a big pat on the back. Keep going. Keep doing it. You're having impact. You're making impact. Transformation is happening. Like, this is what revival looks like. We've seen revivals that are a flash in the pan, but this is the slow burn of revival, and this is what the world has been waiting for, is a family that sees each other that way, walking out and being family to the rest of the family. And it's beautiful, and it's amazing, and it's not just the, you know, scheduled outreach and we did our thing. It's, it's a lifestyle of loving well, and I, I can't tell you how happy I am as a friend, and I'd say a family member of this house, um, Aaron and Nicole and Matt and Amy and all you guys. Like, you guys have been amazing to Lacey and myself and now to our team. Uh, we love this team, but you guys have been amazing to them, served them so well, and uh, I'm, I'm honored to call you guys friends and um, you guys are doing a really, really, really great job. Aaron's a way better friend than I am. Um, I, I suck at long distance anything. I forget to text and stuff. I think about it a lot, but it never makes it from my brain to my thumb or fingers or whichever one you use. And he, this guy continues to reach out to me. He, he like reached out at the perfect moments, uh, times where I needed a little encouragement, a little shot in the arm. It's the perfect little like, like that, and I go, oh, yes, and I keep going, and uh, it's been priceless to me. He is a good, good friend, and I love that. Um, way better friend than me, and it challenges me to be a better friend, so it's awesome. Um, okay, so let's talk about it. I want to talk about, uh, let's just start where we're at. So um, I want to talk about works today. 
Uh, but before we get to works, we'll talk about love so nobody gets confused. Because there's, I said this in first service, but I'm going to try to speak the same message. Um, there's two things that happen when you start talking about works. You have two groups usually. You have one group that says, it's not about works. It's not about works. It's not a works gospel. It's a love gospel. It's a, we rest in his love. It's not about works. We're not working for You're absolutely right. Don't freak out. You're right. You are absolutely right. And then you have another group that doesn't necessarily know love yet. And so when they hear works, they grab a hold of it and they jump right into works. Uh, unfortunately, works without the foundation of love becomes you working for acceptance, you working for love, you working for a pat on the back from the Father, you working for good job, well done, good and faithful servant. And that is error, total error, because it has you working to receive approval, and that is not the kingdom, and that is not heaven, and that is not the relationship. So before we get into works, let's talk about love. Love is this. Love is God. God is love. The Bible says God is love. Love is not something he participates in. It's not just solely a feeling that he has towards you. It's not a reward from your actions. You are a human being. You're not a human doing. It is in you just being you. He loves you right where you're at. He's crazy about you right where you're at. He says you got an A plus on the test before you ever took it. Life is not a trial or a test to see if you pass. You already passed. You've been accepted. You got your acceptance. Like he loves you. He's crazy about you. He is love. And since he is love, he's fully in control of himself also. That's good news. God's fully in control of him. That's really good news. And since he's fully in control of himself, that means your actions don't control his love towards you. You're not big enough to control God, and that's good news. Otherwise, some of our false thinking would be right. Right? And so it, life is not a tightrope walk with God to see if you can make it to the other side. And if you do, he goes, enter into my rest. Because you work, just worked your butt off trying to prove to him that you can do it. It's not what it is. He is good all the time. He is love all the time. Love is who he is, and he's completely in control of him. Some of us need to learn this lesson, that he loves you the same on your mountaintop as he does in your valley floor. Like Jason Upton says, man builds bridges, God builds mountains and valleys, right? Everything man builds is falling apart slow. This building is decaying around us right now. It looks great. It's a beautiful building, but it's slowly falling apart, whether you know it or not. What God builds doesn't just fall apart, but when one thing falls apart, it feeds the next thing, and life grows up out of it. And he is brilliant at building mountaintops and valley floors. Man builds bridges because we just want to stay on the mountaintop, but God's not scared of your valleys. Like, I'm not telling you to fail morally, but some of us need to learn the lesson that in your worst failure, I'm talking about moral, your worst failure. I'm not talking about taking a risk with God and belly flopping. That's, that's awesome too. But in your worst failure, the thing that you think disqualifies you, and you're sitting in the mud puddle of it, and you feel shame and guilt and all these things, God's not in the shame and guilt, but he sits in the middle of the mud puddle with you, and his love is the same when you're up on the stage getting the accolades for being wonderful. He sits right in that mud puddle, and he says, I love you. Unflinching, unwavering. He looks you in your eyes. And when you do this and look down, he picks up your chin like this. And he says, look at me. I love you. I was the kid in the gutters, suicidal, screwed up, hurt a lot of people on purpose. I would hurt people 
on purpose. I didn't realize hurt people hurt people, healed people heal people. I was hurting people on purpose, and he met me right in my gutter. He said, I choose you. I had to look over my shoulder. Like, who's he talking to? He said, I choose you. And every time, so I've been saved almost 19 years now, something like that. I always guess. Yeah, she said yes, so that's right. Um, how many married men know that God gave you a Holy Spirit on earth that's called your wife? <laughs> she said yes, it's right. Um, <laughs> about 19 years now, I've been saved. And for the first, I don't know how many years, he'd say, I love you. This is all he says to me is, I love you, son. I love you. And I go, first few years, I go, yeah, but remember that? Yeah, but I don't think I'm fully paid for. Yeah, but God, and I tried to remind him how bad I was. And he wouldn't flinch. He wouldn't go there with me. He would not even have the conversation. He'd just say, I love you, son. I love you, son. I love you, son. And I got a hard head. I don't know if anybody else does. Yeah, so, I mean, you got a few that relate. Like, it takes a little to get that through, but he just kept saying it and saying it. He was patient, and he was kind, and he was steady, and he's unwavering, and he's unchanging. And that message is slowly got from here down to here. And so absolutely, the foundation and the basis of everything Christianity is about relationship and love, 100%, all the time. That's what it is. And when we have a hard time, sometimes we have a hard time with that because we're like, well, no, well, God's, God's also the, and we think he's the judge. And so this is what Christianity looks like. It no longer is about father, son, father, daughter. It's about the tightrope walk because he's the judge and life is a trial and it's a test. And I'm just trying to show him that I can take what he's put in front of me and I can do it well. And I'm scared to fall and I'm walking this time. Life is not a trial and a test from God. Life is an adventure with dad. Like, this is what it is. Life is an adventure. And as long as we see him as the judge, how many of you know perspective is everything in life? Perspective is everything. Your truth is your truth, whether it's the truth or not. And you will live out your truth, you'll play out your truth, and you'll see the fruit of your truth every day of your life. Whatever you've convinced yourself to be true, you will see it. Your lenses have that truth painted all over it. It's like if I put red sunglasses on, red lenses on your face, everything you see would be red and you'd go, the world is red. And until we pull those lenses off, you won't even believe me if I said, no, it's not. The sky's blue. The grass is green. You're like, nope, everything's red. And until we pull those lenses off, you would think I was lying to you. Life is perspective. Your truth is absolutely your truth, no matter if it's the truth or not. But the truth is that God is love. Life is not a test. Life is a great adventure. Like, you have full permission to build the life that you dream of because you didn't dream it first. I would say that someone much bigger than you dreamt it over you before you ever had the ability to dream. I would even say that someone much greater than you had the dream, God had a dream and wrapped your skin around it. Like that you are a living dream of his. <laughs> they've done scientific studies and they've come up with that human DNA is the physical manifestation of light. That's what science is saying now. Human DNA is the physical manifestation of light. That there's just one dimension that separates them. Light is two-dimensional. That's why you can't grab a hold of it. You can see it on your skin, but... 
Human DNA is the physical manifestation of light. You are the physical manifestation of heaven's dream. And he said, here, I'm going to make it physically manifest. And he said, you're going to be the one that manifests this part of it. Like God had a dream and it was way too big for one person. So he created all the people. And we're all part of this dream. And each one of us are uniquely individual. Everything about you is uniquely individual. There's not one person that can walk in your shoes, do what you do, say what you say, and have the same impact that you would have. When you're not you, we're missing a big part of the dream. You being you and understanding who he is gives you the ability to fully bloom into everything you've been called to. And when you do that, there's the manifestation of that part of the dream on the earth. I think it's real easy to look at successful people and go, oh, yeah, God really put something on their life. And completely miss the fact that, guess what? God is no respecter of man. God doesn't pick favorites. We say, oh, I'm his favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you can say you're his favorite, and that's right. Because God has favorites, and it's every single one of us. Like, there wasn't an assembly line, and he's like, you know, uh, each one gets this, each one gets this. He's like, Jesus, how are we doing on those? He's like, Jesus is like, hey, we're running a little low. He's like, oh, we got a lot of people left. And Jesus is like, oh, yeah, we're about to run. That was it for those. He's like, oh, it's okay. What do we got over here? We'll just throw this one on. Yeah, that'll make up for it. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's not an assembly line where some people got great things, and other people got what was left over. It's not true. But we have these weird thoughts and belief systems that stay in the shadows of our minds. And when they stay in the shadows of our minds, they seem right. Have you ever believed something and then when you say it out of your face to somebody else and they go, and you go, that did sound dumb, didn't it? Anybody? Am I the only one? Yeah. And it's usually something you believed about yourself. And people are like, what? I mean, have you ever been slapped for believing something about yourself, either physically or just verbally? You, have you? You're shaking your head just like there's got to be at least one person here has said something about yourself and had someone go. <laughs> I, I had a spiritual son do that to me once. I was just done. I said, I'm done. I'm going to go get a job down the road at Starbucks. And it, there's nothing wrong with Starbucks. I'm just not called to Starbucks. And so I said, I'm done. That's what I'm going to do. And we were at a bonfire in my backyard and he stood up with like pure hate in his eyes. And he looked at me like this, and he walked up to me like this, and he started calling me a name over and over and over again. Just, he was cussing at me. And I was like, you better watch your tone, bro. And he said it over and over, and I finally stood up, and I said, say that one more time and see what happens. And he goes, get up out of that chair. He goes, you can't give up. If you give up, I give up. You're like a dad to me. You can't give up. Who do you think you are? He said, did I have you wrong this whole time? Because this is who I think you are. He started telling me who I was, and I was like, I sat back down. You're right. <laughs> I got spiritually slapped across the face by a son because I was stinking thinking about myself. Listen to me. Life is perspective. We read the Bible through perspective. We read the Bible. I remember as a young Christian, I read the whole Bible through the lenses of, you know, God was the judge. And then God was a God of war. I mean, killing people everywhere, wiping out tribes, things happening. I mean, even Elijah, Elijah just wipes, Elijah's bored one day sitting on a mountaintop. 
the king sends an army to him to say, hey, the king wants to talk to you. And Elijah's like, if I'm a prophet of the God, then uh, may fire fall from the sky and consume you all. <laughs> gone. An entire group of people gone from the face of the earth. And it doesn't even say God told him to do that. And I'm like, that's just God's power running through a person. God's that way too. And then another group comes and Elijah's like, if I'm a prophet of God, may fire fall from the sky. <laughs> Third guy comes crawling on his knees. He's like, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just here to ask you a question, man. He's like, all right, fine, I'll come with you. He comes down from the mountain. Like, he's just playing with the power of God. And you can read the Bible and you can see this. Or you can see that God is not any of those things. God is a father who's chasing after his kids. But he's a father of grace and mercy and kindness. And so when he tries to get close to his kids, they're like, no, 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 no. You're scary. Give us a king. Okay, fine. You can have a king. And he says, how does that work out for you? Well, that didn't work out too good. Give us some, give us some law. Give us some, just tell us what to do and we'll do it. Don't, don't get close because you're scary. Because we've always been scared of who he could be. And so, oh, just give us the law. And he says, okay, here you go. You'll never be able to satisfy it, but I'll give you the law. And so we tried to work by the law. We had to kill a lot of animals to make the law even work a little bit. And he said, okay, are you tired of that yet? Because <laughs> I'm pretty tired of it. I imagine God got real tired of that. And then he said, how about this? How about we have a covenant, a new one? And he sends the sacrifice, and he takes the responsibility, and he meets us in a covenant that's completely one-sided, meaning responsibility lies on him, and we are the benefactors. <laughs> like, here you go. I'll take the responsibility, and you get the inheritance. And it's a father wooing his kids to come back to him. But perspective is everything. Uh, there's two, um, there's two, wow. There's two, uh, a story and a parable in the Bible, two different ones that I'll, I'll just tell you, you see if you had the same perspective as me. One of them that I thought was totally unfair was the, uh, the story of the fig tree that Jesus walks by. In the fig tree, it says in the Bible that the fig tree was in the season where it had leaves, but it wasn't a season of fruit. It was just the season where it got leaves, you know? So it had new leaves. It's doing what it's supposed to do in the season it's supposed to be in. It's it's, it's in its place. It's doing what it's supposed to do. And it can't have fruit. It's physically impossible for it to have fruit at that time of year. But Jesus wants a fig. So Jesus comes up to the tree and he's like, I'd like a fig. And the tree didn't have a fig on it. Well, it's not supposed to have figs. Jesus, that's not fair. It's not fair. Someone taught us life was fair in the first place. I don't know who taught us that. Somebody came up with this stupid idea, and they taught everybody it, and now we go, it's not fair. It's not fair. And we've just gr grown like little humans, and every generation, we pass that message down even stronger to then everybody's like, it's not fair. I need a safe space. I don't understand why people are not... I don't want to work at a job. I want you to pay me the money you would pay me to work at the job. It's not fair. Well, guess what? Newsflash. I tell my kids this all the time. Ava, is life fair? Thanks. She, she's like, we got her trained. No. Life is not fair. Life is what you make of it. But everybody's like, oh, it's not fair. Well, this isn't fair. This tree's doing what it's supposed to do, and he doesn't get fruit, so he curses the tree. And the disciples take note of this because they walk back by later, and they see the tree, and they're like, oh, it's dead. It's dead because it didn't have fruit. And they're like, you know, they started walking different. Like, they're like, they see that and they're like, oh, geez, get behind them. Straight line, guys. You know, they're like, don't say if he asks for anything, give it to him. Even if you don't have it, they're like, oh, God, yeah, here, you can have it, God. No, I don't have a sandwich, but I got a wallet. Take it. You know, he's like, because he expects fruit in a time where it wasn't supposed to be fruit. And I thought that's so unfair. 
You can see these stories through a few different lenses. You can see it as it's not fair, or you can see it as, do you mean that that's what's available? Wait a minute. Okay, it's either unfair to the tree or it's an opportunity for me. Jesus was showing a picture through the tree that you get to live in an expectation that's outside of natural standards, natural means, like your circumstances don't mean anything to the trajectory of your life because you actually represent an economy that's not of this world. If you're an ambassador of the United States, it means whatever country you're stationed in, you don't represent that economy. You don't represent that lifestyle. You represent the economy and the lifestyle of the United States. So you drive the kind of car you drive here. You live in the size of house you would live in here. You get paid what you would get paid here. Even if the money difference is 50 to 1 or 100 to 1, you still get a United States paycheck because you're there representing the United States. Even if they're in recession, even if they're in drought, even you don't participate in that. You participate in the economy of home. Maybe Jesus was showing us that he could expect something different because he didn't participate in the natural standard of what he was in, but he was representing something different that was greater than what the physical could offer. And he was showing us this is what you can expect out of life, that you don't have to participate in these things, but you can expect the outflow of heaven because you live in heaven's economy. The streets are paved in gold. There's diamonds and jewels in the walls. The housing market's great. People are dying to get in there. You know, like this is something that's happening in heaven. And so we get to live by heaven's standard. Jesus says he wants a fig. Jesus gets a fig. I say this all the time, but heaven's standard is different than earth. I ask you, what's two plus two? Wrong. It's not four. It's whatever God says it is right now. You look at your bank account. You say, I got five. My life needs 10. And we say, well, I only got five. Jesus looks at your bank account. He says, you got five. You need 10. Sounds like fun. You say, Jesus, what's two plus two? He says, 587 million. And you're like, you're like, no, it's not. Look, I'll show you on this whiteboard. And he says, hey, scrap the whiteboard. I'll show you with my hands. Two plus two, 587 million. You're like, how did that happen? Because he does not live by the natural means of this world. He walks on water. He walks through walls. He tells the, lep- or the lame man to walk, and he does. Like, people lower people through the ceiling to him. Like, this is his life. Even a guy tries to stick him in with the, even in miracles, a guy tries to stick him in with the boundaries of what we think miracles are. And he says, if you'll just come to my house. Jesus said, no, I don't need to. Why? Because he's not stuck to a physical boundary. They thought the grave got him. They put a huge rock in front of it. The rock is moved and there's an angel sitting on the rock. First of all, the rock was huge. Think of the opening of his tomb, like the size of those two doors. Imagine a rock that size. There's a little video on uh, Instagram of this little truck pulls up to this quarry and they have a huge rock on a front end loader and the guy's like, put it in. They're like, I don't think so. And the guy's like, it can take it. It's like a little Isuzu and the guy's like, oh, I don't know. He's like, oh, it's fine. I put, a, I put a pallet down so it'll land on the pallet and it'll soften its blow. And the guy's like, Ugh. He's like, just go for it. So he, in this rock, this truck goes, bam, and the truck is done, gone, crushed. The, the, the wheels are gone. It's just, this rock was the size of these two doors. It's moved. And they're like, how many men moved it? There's just an angel sitting on it, sitting on the rock like a seat. Like, this is heaven. This is heaven standard. You are not limited by natural means. 
We do not participate in drought or recession because we represent an economy that never runs dry. We have a dad who there's no height or depth or spirit or principality, no plan of man, no scheme of the enemy, nothing in heaven or on earth that could ever separate us from the love which he has for us. He is in your corner and he is for you. And when you have a father in your life, like I didn't know this one growing up, but now I know it. When you have a father in your life that loves you and believes in you, it releases a confidence in you and you take on the impossible like it's possible. There's a confidence that comes with being a son or a daughter, knowing that Nothing can separate me from his love. He's got a plan and a purpose for me. I'm unique. I'm individual. Like, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made so wonderful, it's scary. I get an A-plus on the test before I ever took it, which changes your relationship with failure. Our, idea, our fear of failure is based on one thing, and that is other people's opinion of us. Think about that. I'm not afraid to fail because I fail in private. Like, I tried something, I fell, I laugh at myself. You know, I'm, I try to jump across this thing. Nobody saw it happen. I fall. I'm like, <laughs> that was stupid. You know, I laugh at myself. Later on, I tell the story like a joke. I do that in front of a thousand people. <gasps> that was the worst thing I've ever experienced. I feel like an idiot. I don't laugh at myself. I'm afraid everybody's laughing at me. Why? Because failure, we're so afraid what other people think of us. But when we make our, our, our decision to get what he thinks of us and make us, that's our truth. What he thinks of me is the truth. We forget what other people think about us. And there's a confidence that comes at that. And when we step out and we fail, guess what? Failure is one of the greatest teachers on the planet and it's one of the classrooms we never step foot in because we're so afraid of it. Failure is one of the greatest teachers on the planet. Failure is an opportunity for growth. We need to change our relationship with failure by changing our relationship about what we care about. Like if his voice became the voice, oh man, we'd be unstoppable. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. When he got baptized, he came back up, he heard the voice of his father and everybody else did. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased before he ever had a public ministry. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased before he ever had a public ministry. God the Father was not saying that about his son because of what he had done. He was saying that about his son because of who he was. And if we could get this as sons and daughters, the way he really feels about it, it's like God believes in you more than collectively we believe in him. Think about that. God has more faith in you than collectively we have faith in him. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that. Even if we all have a mustard seed and we could tell a lot of mountains to jump, I still guarantee that he believes in you as an individual more than all of us could ever believe in him. He has faith in you because he knows who you are and how he created you to be. This is what I want to charge you with. If all that I'm saying is true, he truly is love. There's nothing you could do to deny that love. Deny him the fact that he loves you. Our actions are not in control of him. And when we realize that as sons and daughters, there's a confidence that grows in us. And we realize that life is not a test, but relationship with him is a launching pad into greatness. And we realize that there's a U-shaped hole in this world that you need to fully express and manifest who you are. And without that, we're missing out on you. Then I ask you this, if that's true, then what is the dream on your heart? What have you been called to? Because the second story that really gets me is the, the parable of the talents. One guy gets one, one guy gets two, one guy gets five. 
the one with five invests gets five more. You know, a master gives his servants talents. And it says he gave them how much they needed for the ability that they had to steward what he gave them. So each one of us has an ability. It's not fair. It's not unfair. It's God knows you, and he's not going to give you more than you can handle. That's actually really good. That's a good thing. So he gives them what they can handle. The one with five invests gets five back. The one that with two invests gets two back. The one with one is scared. You know why he's scared? Because his perspective of his master is different than the other two. The other two didn't see the master the same way. The one with one said, he's a shrewd master who collects where he hasn't even sown. Like he comes and takes in places that he hasn't even invested in. And I know him this way, so I'm going to bury this because I'm scared what he'll do to me if I lose what was his. So he buries it in the ground. The other two invest and double it. This one buries it. The master comes back. The one with five gives him 10. He's like, look, I got 10. He says, well done. Enter into my joy. Enter into my rest. The one with two has four. Well done. The one with one says, I knew you to be shrewd and scary. And I was afraid what you might do. So here, I buried it in the ground. I wiped the dirt off here. You can have it back. And he's like, what is wrong with you? And he takes the one from the guy who only had one. That's not fair. You're right. Life's not fair. It's kingdom. And he takes it and he gives it to the guy with 10. And I'm like, that guy doesn't need one more. It doesn't matter. God has put something on each one of our lives. And this is a picture of what it looks like. When you realize he loves you, the natural flow of that love is confidence. And that confidence launches you into something. And that something is something that has been tailored to fit you, or better yet, you've been tailored to fit. It is a dream, and he wrapped your skin around it. And I'm telling you, with everything great happening in Dayton and Tip and every, everywhere around here, and this church is investing, I believe with all my heart, the next step in this thing that you're doing in your area, the next step is each one of us to come fully alive in what he's called us to. So to take scheduled outreach, scheduled blessing, love explosion, all that as a teacher and then it's in you and on you and you take that mindset into what you've been called to there's people that are called to end sex trafficking and when we get the belief in ourselves that comes straight from him you get a confidence and you walk into that and your voice is tailored to fit that area the way you think the creativity and the favor on your life it will be instrumental in ending an injustice you have something burning in you guess what you didn't put it there. It was put there by someone else. His name's God. He's a good father, and he believes in you, and he says you have what it takes. The scary thing is all these dreams that God dreams over us are way bigger than us. Like we're comfortable in a dream that, that, that feels like us, but when it's way bigger than us, we're like, I don't know, God. I don't know that I can do it. Guess what? Your dream's meant to be scary. If it's scary, good job. Good job. If it's not scary, then start dreaming bigger. Good job. Bill Johnson tells a story, and it's funny because uh, th this, is, this is just awesome. It's so pretty, one thing, yes, but also it's just awesome because in first service, I told the story that Bill tells about the mouse and the elephant that walk across the bridge. And this isn't a mouse, it's a little elephant, which is, I think, more fitting when we're talking about us being sons and daughters of God because you're made in his image. But the mouse and the elephant walk across the bridge. They get to the other side of the bridge, and the mouse looks at the elephant, and he goes, I just shook that bridge, didn't I? Listen to me. You're meant to get to the end of your life and go, wow, I just shook that bridge. And God goes, yep, because you were walking with an elephant, but you feel so good about yourself because that's who he is. Hey, great job. <laughs> great job. That's actually more fitting because it's a little elephant with a big elephant because you're made in his image. But listen, this is who you are. You're not uh, uh, meant to live in fear. 
You're not meant to live in fear. There's a story of a mouse that's running from the cat, runs around the corner, sees a barrel, jumps in the barrel. It's a wine barrel. Five minutes later, the mouse comes out of the wine barrel, and he says, where's the cat? <laughs> We've been trained so long to get drunk on, to get intoxicated on what's practical, but you're not supposed to live by practical. You need to be intoxicated by heaven, and heaven's not practical. Practical is two plus two equals four. Impractical is 2 plus 2 equals 587 million. That doesn't make any sense. It's not supposed to. What is the dream on your life? What have you been called to? What is your gift and ability? If you don't know it yet, serve somebody else who is pursuing their dream. And when you serve somebody else's dream, it's amazing what it does to the dreamer inside of you. Dreaming is contagious. You're meant to dream in full color. You're meant to live unafraid of failure. Because the worst thing failure can be is a great teacher. The best thing failure can be is your, <laughs> something that's in the past because you ran right by it. The church being afraid is like a lion being afraid of a mouse. It just doesn't make any sense. And anybody from the outside goes, that's just silly. But sometimes we live in that and our fears look like mountains. and They look so big. And it's just a perspective change. I told you life's about perspective. When you can see how great he is, that thing that looks so big all of a sudden gets real small. And perspective is everything. Do you know who he is? Do you know how he feels about you? If you do, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? It's a love relationship that causes me to be brave and courageous. And when I walk out of these doors, I fully manifest everything that's inside of me. I chase after dreams that are so much bigger than me knowing that I got an elephant with me. And this is life with God. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. Some of us need to stay in our nine to five and also jump into our dream. Some of us need to jump into our dream full time. Like you have to have the conversation with God and realize what's yours. But every single one of us needs to be fully walking in our dream. What is in your hand? One talent, two talent, five talents? Invest it. Kingdom return is ridiculous. It's amazing. You cannot out-risk God. Like, you can't step out further than he is. Lace, can you come up? I'll end with this. I, it doesn't matter. We're, they said we could go a little after. Everybody can leave if they want. I mean, I'm not, you're all adults. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They said 115, too. <sighs> They're not poor people. They're rich people. They're starving. Man should not live by bread alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there won't be a crowd at the restaurant, and then your generosity will not go unnoticed when you give a huge tip because you showed up late. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Peter in the boat steps out of the boat because Jesus is walking on water. Peter gets overwhelmed by what he's in. He starts to drown. Everybody thinks Peter failed. Peter found the most successful place in life, and that is this. When you step out into that thing, and it's scary, and you get overwhelmed by it, you think you're going to drown, Peter screams out Jesus, and the story does not end with Peter swimming to the boat with his tail between his legs. The story ends with Peter standing on water, holding the hand of his Savior. The most successful place you can find in life is stepping out into that thing that scares you, and when you feel like it's too big, that's okay. You're in the perfect spot. Scream Jesus, and you will find it. The most successful place in life is standing in the middle of that thing that scared the heck out of you, holding the hand of your Savior. You don't swim back to the boat with your tail between your legs. You stand there holding his hand. Most successful place you can find. Failure's not an option there. It's beautiful. Awesome. Good word. Awesome. Well, I don't want to take a lot of time, um, but the thing that I just feel like 
the Lord has been stirring in me for you guys and for this area um, is that innovation, that invention, and that is that nothing is impossible, spirit, tenacity, um, mentality, and really ex- expectation. Shut that off, Michael. Um, you Googling to the nearest restaurant right now? Um, <laughs> he's like, how can I get a cheeseburger delivered to me right now? So hungry. Um, but uh, one of the things that I think is just really something to think about is we limit ourselves um, based on what we feel like we can produce with our own hands. Um, I know that, that uh, I've done that. I mean, I do that through like, what am I capable of? And what am I uh, capable of through my education, through my experience? Um, and, I, and I limit myself, and I know that we limit ourselves. And one of the things that I think the Lord wants us to do is he wants us to um, get up in heavenly places, whereas we're, we're supposed to be seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, that that's our, that's our, our spot, right? That's where he's inviting us to. Um, and... And it's interesting that in Ohio, there's so much innovators that have come out of Ohio. Um, and it was cool because I was, when Scott was talking, I was, you know, obviously um, aviation came out of this place. Um, and that came from somebody who was not educated in aviation. Those, the Wright brothers weren't educated in how to build airplanes. That wasn't even a thing. Um, but... Papa was a pastor. Mama was an inventor. What happened there? I think they tapped into something that God knew, right? He knew about aviation. He knew about the impossible. He knew about flight. And they just tapped up into heavenly places, and God gave them inventions for something. Um, and I didn't know this, but Thomas Edison was born here. I'm sitting there talking to the Holy Spirit while Scott was talking, and he started talking to me about Thomas Edison. So I look up Thomas Edison, and I'm like, oh, wow, Thomas Edison was born in Ohio. I didn't realize that. Um, Thomas Edison, one of the greatest inventors of all time, born from Ohio. And so isn't that cool? He's so cool. And I love Thomas Edison because he had – one of the things I love about Thomas Edison is he had every excuse not to be successful. You know, he was deaf. He had ADHD back before it was ever a thing. You know, he had that letter. I don't know if you guys saw that letter that supposedly happened. You know, he gets sent home with this letter from school, uh, gives it to his mom. His mom starts crying. What did it say, mom? Oh, it said you were a genius and that we can't, you know, they can't teach you anymore. Um, so I'm going to have to teach you from now on because you're just too smart to learn here at school. And then when, when she dies, he finds the letter. Um, you know, it says, your son's a genius. The school is too small for him. It doesn't, have, um, it doesn't have teachers good enough to train him. Please teach yourself. Many years later, after Edison's mother had died, uh, he found this letter. That didn't actually happen. <laughs> actually, what happened was he, uh, he, he was kicked out of school, and... Um, and his, so what actually happened was he, was he was told he had to leave, and his mom, his mom, um, his mom came to his defense, and he, she's, she's, she was like, I, I believe in you. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna change the world. My son's 
smart and he's going to show you. And, and that was enough for him because that's reality, right? That's reality. We don't get hit. We, we don't, in the real world, we know when people don't believe in us, but we also know when people do. And his mom stood beside him and she believed in him. And he, in his heart, he, it said in his biography, in his heart, he, he wanted to prove that his mom was right about him. And I just love that he had every reason to fail. He was deaf. He, he, was, he was already partially deaf because of scarlet fever. And then he was on a train and something caught on fire in the train. And the train master got mad at him, hit him in his deaf ear. And then he got 80% deaf. But guess what? He forgave that train master and ended up saving that train master's son from getting ran over by that train later on down the road. Like everything in that kid's life was like he just kept pushing on for, for Christ. Like it was just like for glory to glory to glory. So I just think something in this state has endurance, has innovation, has greater glory, and there's an invitation, I feel like, um, in this area to tap into heavenly realms, to tap into solutions, to tap into answers if you don't get discouraged, if you don't get into the limitation setting because we all have that too. We can all be limited by our own limitations, by our own woes, by our own what, you know, little violins. I know I do that sometimes. Like pull that violin out. What's not going right in my life? So we can sit there and we can look at that or we can go, man, what's possible? What's possible if I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus? Because it's really not about me. It's really about him, and he knows every answer to every, every problem. And if I'm willing to say yes, I can tap into that. Amen. And I feel like he's not excluding anyone in here. Like every one of you, every one of us can be part of tapping into those solutions. And so um, that's, all I'm, that's what I'm getting for us. Um, it's not about what you have already um, made way for even it's about it's about just saying in your you know in your own in our own human frailty in our own lack saying you know what I choose to be a daughter who has a good father who's more than enough and um, and I'm willing to be to be blessed on the on on the behalf of others and so I just want to pray that over you guys um, so Lord I just thank you God, I thank you for laid down lovers. God, I thank you for the innovators. God, I thank you for the solutions in heavenly places, God. I thank you for the ones that will burn for you, Lord, that will tap into to, to inventions, tap into to solutions for society, tap into um, restoration, Lord. God, that they would know more. I pray that like I pray this over me, that I, uh, and I, so I invite you to pray this over you. Like we only use like 10% of our brains. I, I pray this all the time. Like, Lord, Lord let, me, let me use 30, let me use 40, let me use 50%, Lord. What would that be like? So I just pray that you would accelerate our abilities beyond what we are able to do right now. God, that we would start to become more of, than we are capable of, God. <laughs> that you would become, Lord, what you originally had intended in the garden. God, that we would start to love more than we were, um, than we've been able to love, that we'd be able to um, have minds, that we'd be able to think and, and understand and have even abilities to love others more than we've been able to, to in the past, Lord, that we'd be able to pastor more and counsel more and lead better, 
God, teach better, whatever profession they're in, Lord, that they would just be able to just tap into more, Lord, in the heavenly places, that we don't have to just depend on what we're capable of, that we get to have your portion. <laughs> I don't want what I, I don't want my portion. I want your portion, <laughs> God, that, that I don't have to try to do this myself. Lord, that that's humility is when I can just go, hey, I don't need, pride says I have to do it on my own. I want your portion, Lord, because you're so good, Lord, and I don't have to worry about, about making my own way when you made a way. <laughs> So we say yes, Jesus. <laughs> we say yes. Stupidity says I have to try to do my own thing when I can just get on board and, and when it's already been done. You know, like glory to glory to glory, man. So we say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to call their whole team up, and we're going to bless them before they head back home tomorrow. So Scott, Lacey, team, come on up. Come on, we're going to... Here, here's what I feel. Church, you can stand. We're going to dismiss after this. Uh, here's what I feel. I feel everything they just preached and everything they just spoke, we just deflect it. We receive it, but also pour it out on them. So we're going to declare that their wildest Jesus dreams will be fulfilled. They'll be yes and amen. But listen, guys, you're, you're, you were called for such a time as this, but your dreams are also called for such a time as this. So let's just, just stretch your hands out to them, God. We just thank you for each one of them. We thank you for their sacrifice. We declare right now that it'll be returned a hundredfold. Right now, financially, their time, their energy, their honor, whatever it is that they've given this week to the kingdom, to you, Jesus, just in general, that you're just going to return that. We just ask that, that you just honor them, that others in their life will honor them. We just declare their dreams are yes and amen. Their dreams, their wildest Jesus dreams are yes and amen. That anything they ask in your name, you're going to do it because you promise it and you declare that and you say that over them. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you for them. We thank you that they're a gift to us, they're a gift to the body, they're a gift to the kingdom, and they're a gift to every single person around them and everywhere they go. We bless their feet as they move on from here. We bless their destinies. We bless their purpose and we bless them. We bless them and we just thank you for them. We thank you for them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys are dismissed. Thank you. Have an amazing week. Be you. Everybody else is taken.